following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 Podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. Today, I'm speaking with Zach Rago via Skype. He played a critical role in making the new documentary, Chasing Coral. The movie won the Audience Award at Sundance this past January, and uh, it's great to have you here. Zach, hello. Brilliant. Hey, thank you guys for having me. We're, we're excited to chat about it today. Where Where are you right now? I'm actually based in Boulder, Colorado. That's home for me, far, far away from the oceans. That's right, and that's where you studied, right? Yeah, I actually, I grew up here um, in a town called Arvada, kind of in between Denver and Boulder, and uh, did my undergrad at the University of Colorado in Boulder. So what was it for you? I mean, when did you first fall in love with the coral reef ecosystems? Yeah, so I had a really lucky opportunity um, throughout my childhood. My father, who's um, now a vice principal at Golden High School here in Colorado, he um, runs a program where he takes about 40 students out to the Big Island of Hawaii every year on a marine biology trip. And so I grew up as a kid kind of having the opportunity to, you know, A, be there and then shadow these students that were learning about marine biology and get in the water and, um, you know, become a decent little free diver as a kid and went through the program as I got older and got scuba certified. And, you know, I just never really turned back. I fell in love with it um, back then and it's kind of decided that I really wanted to work in some way, shape or form in the ocean space. And, you know, as I moved forward, I got into the aquarium industry and, you know, my love for corals in particular just got deeper and deeper, and I just kept pursuing it and kept pursuing it, and one way or another, it landed me on the, the chasing coral team, and it the rest is history, I guess. Well, you, you, you know, have a hand in making uh, the movie Chasing Coral, and you're featured in the movie. Why don't we just first start with the title? Um, can you describe what that means, Chasing Coral? Yeah, obviously, to a certain extent, is tied into Jeff Orlowski, the director's previous film, Chasing Ice. Right. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of conversations about whether or not Chasing Coral was going to be the name and whether or not we wanted to brand it in a similar way. Uh, but at the end of the day, it really, the story tells itself. And uh, we really did kind of chase this phenomenon of coral bleaching around the planet. I mean, the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere and um, footage from over 30 countries between our entire team. And um, it really was this just kind of race against time to capture something that uh, we knew we were going to have to do during this kind of two-year event and kind of span of coral bleaching. Um, so it really, uh, chasing coral definitely is uh, the, you know, the perfect fit for it. Right. Because it really was this adventure of trying to chase something down and capture something that no one had really done before. Well, you're essentially chasing, I mean, for people who haven't seen the film, um, heat waves underwater. I mean, can you define what coral bleaching is for us? 
Yeah, so coral bleaching is this really interesting term because it has gotten kind of a bad rap over the years. Um, most people think that when we say coral bleaching, that means that the corals are dead already, um, when really this phenomenon is a stress response to warmer waters. Um, and corals have these brilliant symbiotic algae that live inside their tissue that actually produce their energy needs. Um, and as those algae get into warm water that's kind of out of their norm, um, they begin to kind of freak out in a way. Right. And their, um, their ability to produce that energy is inhibited. So the corals actually spit them out and leave behind their transparent white skeletons and a thin layer of tissue. And that's what we call bleaching. And while it um, mostly leads to death and some other consequences. Um, the coral is actually not dead during a bleaching event um, unless that heat wave, yeah. so to speak, um, lasts too long. Well, I mean, our, our sort of automated sleepwalking association with, with coral is that it's beautiful, and if you go to people who are scuba diving can see it, and, and people seek it out in, in kind of a, a superficial way, but when you when you realize that a quarter of ocean life depends on coral reef and and it, it is one of the most important ecosystems on the planet, you have a whole new appreciation. So how did that um, inform your storytelling and how did you want to both you know, entertain audiences and also inform audiences of the importance of your subject? Yeah, um, so I think that one of the key things into, you know, finally getting to a point where you have an understanding of their importance, both ecologically or economically, um, these are, I think the entrance there is purely its beauty, right? These, these ecosystems are amazingly intricate, and, you know, when you go underwater, and I think most divers would agree, it's just a, a purely euphoric experience, Um there's a great quote um, that goes along the lines of, you know, uh, we, we love what we know, um, and we can only know what we've been taught. So you have to have a, a door open up for people to understand the meaning of coral reefs beyond their beauty. And I think that the film does a great job in exposing you to this wonderful landscape. Um, but it also is, you know, teaching you quite a lot about it, whether or not you realize you're learning or not. Um, and that's kind of the beauty in uh, Jeff's work and why I really appreciate what he does as a production team um, is really allowing this human story and the beauty of an ecosystem uh, be the limelight while you're secretly learning quite a lot. If you, I mean, speaking of the story, when you, if you have to break it down, I mean, and all films need this, how would you uh, say in this film, what was the beginning, middle, and end that you were, the structure of the story? Yeah, so my side's so funny because I was never, you know, when I started this project, I wasn't supposed to be part of the story even. <laughs> um, but, you know, originally it was Richard Vivers who had contacted Jeff and said, look, the oceans are changing, um, and if we can document this in a similar way to how Jeff had previously documented melting glaciers, um, it could be a really powerful tool to engage the public eye with some of the issues going on um, with our environment today. So it was really the beginning was finding out what that story is going to be and having bleaching um, and this heat wave kind of come to the forefront. Um, and then I think kind of the meat of the movie is the challenges associated with finding and capturing these events. So, you know, the technology that goes into it, the personal struggles between everyone, the failures that right. we faced and, and setbacks. Um, and then obviously 
ending up on, you know, what would go down as one of the largest bleaching events in history, if not the largest, um, which was unexpected for us. You know, we started this project wanting to um, capture corals bleaching, not right. a entire ecosystem basically collapsing and dying. Um, so that's really your climax, and then really kind of ending out on that sweet and positive note, which was extremely important for us. Well, what, did you ever have to grapple with that, the idea that maybe, you know, we we can't be too devastating in our filmmaking here. We have to offer some glimpse of hope for audiences, otherwise it might get passed over. Was that ever a legitimate consideration? Oh, absolutely. Um, we kind of, I guess, joke around a little bit, especially at the Q&As at screenings that, you know, we held the punches back when we made this movie. I mean, right. um, we, we could have made this much more sad, much more devastating to the viewer. Um, but what good is that for us? You had to pretty um, you know, it up. Why, why make a movie when, you know, your audience is going to walk out of there feeling like the world could be ending or right. feeling like there's nothing that can be done? Um, and for our impact campaign, which is kind of the the real um, purpose of this film is to make it used as a tool um, and as an asset for the amazing people and groups that are doing great work out there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you have to give people hope. Um, you know, I think we've, we've learned a lot over the past few decades in the climate space that, you know, the doom and gloom and the fear factor um, is largely ineffective in changing people's opinions, changing their behaviors. Um, you have to you have to keep that positive spin. It's extremely important, and we, we definitely spent quite a lot of time thinking about that. And taking a quick break to say that this show is brought to you by the Business Platinum Card from American Express. However you move your business forward, with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are. It's about where you want to take your business next, and nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum card backed by the service and security of American Express. Well, the film also, I mean, it, it brings into focus the devastating consequences of, of climate change. And so how cautious were you all as filmmakers to make sure that this isn't seen as, or that it's not labeled, I, I would imagine by people who haven't seen the film, as an activist film, or in a sense to depoliticize the issue? Totally. Uh, we made a lot of active decisions to make this as apolitical as we possibly could. Um, there are some scenes that we really liked, and I guess in the film industry they call it, you know, killing your darlings, yeah. that we ultimately decided to remove. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, I love sharing this film with like-minded people and people within the climate space, but they are also the choir. Um, and our larger goal here right. is to get this film um, into the hands of unlikely people, people that wouldn't usually engage with this type of content, um, and not to have it be this talking heads science documentary. I, for me, this is really an adventure film about a, you know, a team of scuba divers, photographers, admin, um, yeah. filmmakers that travel the world because they you know, are passionate about this ecosystem, and they want to share its story and its reality with the world. So I, I definitely do see it more of an um, you know, adventure flick rather than an activism film. Well, it's extraordinary, you know, the um, the attention that you receive. I mean, first of all, winning the audience uh, award at Sundance is, is huge. How did that um, – I imagine the Netflix deal came quickly after that? 
Yeah, we had actually, um, it, Netflix deal, I believe, came um, during our premiere, so it would have been actually before we received okay. the audience award. Um, but it, it's been extremely humbling to see this response to the film, both at Sundance, where this all kind of began, um, as well as the rest of the festival circuit, and now that it has been released on Netflix, um, the just response and the love and support from just people all over the world um, has been just extremely rewarding and humbling, and um, we're just really excited to you know be at really the beginning of this journey. It seems like you you know you make a film, it gets picked up by Netflix, you win the audience award, um, and that's a, a you know a success. But for us, it's much more than that, and we plan on you know taking this far and wide, and then going deep into places that we think need to see this type of content right. the most. Well, I was thinking about your film, you know, the other day when watching it, the, the, the idea that it's on Netflix, it gives you an opportunity to premiere over and over again. And I think you guys are leveraging that opportunity by hosting community screenings and things like that. So can you talk about how you've used that platform to your advantage? Yeah, I mean, for us, really, the goal here is, you know, we want to share this story and this story of the oceans with as many folks as possible. And Netflix just, you know, it's um, it was the perfect just kind of storm for us. They have so many subscribers, and you just immediately get so many potential eyes on this film that... Um, it seemed like a no-brainer almost, and the, uh, like you said, the best part for us is that they're supporting our impact campaign and right, allowing right. us to engage with people through their platform and allow them to do these kind of one-off community screenings um, in which we're cultivating these local champions and local individuals um, who could be unlikely people to stand up and express their interest in this um, ecosystem or their interest in any of the topics related to climate climate change or ocean science but, um, so it's been really really nice to you know have it all come together and be able to engage the community in a powerful way already what well, zach what was your relationship with documentaries and filmmaking prior to this experience yeah, my background is totally science. Um, so my my degree is in evolutionary biology and ecology. Um, so I had literally no background. Um, I had taken an internship with the company View Into the Blue, who eventually, um, you know, was pinged to develop these time lapse cameras. Right. Um, so the housing, I had been working for them and doing some of their field work and building these underwater cameras. Um, and that's really how I got involved was uh, just really as a dive technician to right. help install this equipment um, that had been built for Exposure Labs and for Jeff in order to you know try and capture something that no one had done before. Well, talk about that. What, what, what about the, the, I mean, building the devices and the cameras? What was that uh, experience like? How did it work? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, so we actually usually build um, essentially a security camera inside of an underwater housing. Okay. And what makes us different is it's self-clean. So it essentially has a windshield wiper that <laughs> basically keeps a glass dome clean for long periods of time. Um, and so we had to definitely make some customized decisions. We um, made a GH4 fit inside of our housing, and then we... Um, you know, through a couple Raspberry Pis or little programmable computers um, to set off alarms that would wake up the camera and she would take 30 burst images and she would fall back asleep. 
and so it was all a custom job and extremely fun because you um, you're trying to build something that right. no one's done before, and it's just the epitome of having the opportunity to be creative and, and build something that you hope works. And um, unfortunately, our first round didn't work, but um, the second round did. But we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But that's all kind of the process of documentary filmmaking is this story tells itself and you kind of have to let your challenges kind of lead you to where the story ultimately ends. And there's so many beautiful time lapses in the movie that, that do document the story. I mean, the, but the thing is, I mean, corals change in a matter of weeks. So can you describe the challenges of being there? How, do you, how did you get there at the right time? Yeah, so um, after the Northern Hemisphere, where we really just kind of installed our cameras and then walked away and came back to pick them up, um, in Australia, when we kind of realized, hey, this might be our last chance to capture what we've been trying to do. Um, So we ultimately just lived out there for about four and a half months and, um, you know, just spent as much time in the water as we can. And we started in the south. Um, and unfortunately, or fortunately for the corals, um, a large hurricane system um, off the coast had really cooled down the water, brought in some cloud coverage, and ultimately, you know, protected that reef that we um, had started on in the south. Uh, but at that point in time, we had known that it was getting quite warm in the north, and we decided to just kind of pick up our things, um, abandon our time-lapse cameras. Right. And decided to head up there and do it ourselves and dove every single day and did manual time lapse on an island called Lizard Island, um, which was really kind of the epicenter of this bleaching event on the Great Barrier Reef in 2016. You know, the, the film really does demonstrate that it's a visual indicator of how uh, hot the ocean is getting. What what are things that people can do after seeing the film to get involved aside from hosting screenings and, and raising awareness and talking about it? What are the things that people can do? Yeah. Um, so there's no silver bullet for climate change, right? Um, as much as I would love to say, Hey, this is the one Sign thing up that we here. all need to yeah. do. Um, <laughs> it's all kind of on a location to location or region to region basis. Um, you know, what I'm going to tell my community here in Boulder, Colorado is probably a lot different than what I might tell somebody that's in Australia or, you know, in, in the Keys. Um, but the biggest thing for me is while taking all of these actions like driving electric or just simply driving less or thinking more about how you eat, um, those are all fantastic things and they're making a difference. Um, for me, it's about really rethinking how we approach this and how we frame these changes that we're making. Because for so long, um, we've wasted quite a lot of time thinking about sacrifice and framing it as a sacrifice and a change to your life that may be negative. Um, instead, we really have to start changing the ideology. How do we think about these things and how can we change the perception or the stigma upon making some changes in your life um, that, that can benefit the planet as well as you. Um, so we use this analogy of, you know, we've thrown this giant party for about a century, and now we're taking volunteers or our youth to clean up, yet they weren't invited to the party. Um, so instead of starting to ask people how we clean up, let's start asking people to throw a better party. 
Um, so that's kind of my view and how I look at things, which might be a little bit different than how we've gone about talking about climate and the environment in the past few decades. Right. Um, so we really want to change the way that it's talked about from a communication standpoint um, and also just simply the way that we approach it, the way that we make these changes. All of this needs to be thought about and I think really taken a hard look at in comparison to you know what we've done. And breaking for a minute to say business can be done from anywhere, in the palm of your hand and at the source. However you move your business forward with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are, it's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum card, backed by the service and security of American Express. There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents when it happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called a cold case. Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the evidence. Damn, I, I killed her. Damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast. Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster. I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. Well, it's, I mean, it's really exciting when the film comes out and has this response, but making documentaries um, can take years, and I, I can't even imagine all the, the footage that you shot. Can you talk about that experience, and, and what is it like? Um, is there anything that you learned over the course of this film that you didn't know? Yeah, um, I'll start with the second portion of your question, because I, I learned a great deal. Um, I tell people this a lot, and it's, um, had you asked me, you know, my opinion of art, um, or any sort of, I guess, whether it's film or painting or all of these things, I've never had an interest in that space, um, so to speak. Um, so I don't, I don't think I necessarily realized its power as a tool for science. Um, the single most important tool that we have right now is our ability to communicate with the average person through these artistic endeavors, but through the scientific lens. Um, it makes everything accessible, and science is far from accessible um, to the average person. So I definitely learned that. And, and the most surprising thing to me on a personal level was I had worked on this bleaching problem in college. Um, I had some background, um, you know, learning about the consequences. And I had the numbers in my head. I had the statistics and I had the knowledge to right. know how bad these events could be um, and could get into the future. But seeing it firsthand um, is unlike anything else. Seeing is truly believing. And no matter how long you've worked on something, or what you know out of a textbook or from reading the scientific literature, um, nothing will ever compare to having the ability to see it. Um, and that's what's so important about these documentaries and about what Jeff is doing and about what all of these other artists around the world um, are participating in is, is 
changing the way that people think about it and changing the way that they're able to engage with those right. topics through visualizations, which is so essential. And then do you want to talk a little bit about the the amount of footage and, and the time that you spent? Yeah, definitely. So we spent, this film took three and a half years. Um, I think our dive hours is around 650 hours <laughs> spent underwater. Um, and there are just hours and hours of footage, both underwater and on the surface. And so our editing team was basically just handed three and a half years and hundreds of terabytes of footage um, to dig through and to unravel this story. Um, so it was an enormous amount of time spent in the field. Um, and, and just, you know, for them, what, what you kind of get used to as an outsider is during a documentary, they kind of just film everything. Um, you never know what's going to be useful when it's all said and done. And so the cameras are just kind of always rolling. Talk about the role that virtual reality um, can play in this in this type of filmmaking. Um, so virtual reality is a really interesting space and I, I enjoy it a lot. So um we're really at the beginning of figuring out what the future holds for virtual reality and kind of what fields uh, are we going to see it really kind of take over. And for me, it's the educational portion um, that's going to be so exciting. So we, um, from the beginning, wanted to utilize VR in some way, and that's largely due to Richard Beaver's background and the XL Catlin Seaview survey, um, which utilizes virtual reality from a scientific standpoint, to do coral reef surveys. Um, and so through his technology, we were able to get so much imagery that had really been taken through this expedition and through the making of this film um, and put it online so that it's accessible to everyone. So for me, it's extremely fun um, working with youth and working with kids, which is kind of my wheelhouse and engaging them with science, and ha- being able to walk into a classroom and say, look, you guys want to go virtual diving today? I can take you to places that <laughs> yeah. you could never even imagine. And some of them might not even exist anymore because of this bleaching. Um, and for me, growing up you know, as a Boulder kid and working largely in Colorado for the past few years, um, some of these kids might not even have the opportunity to get to the ocean in their lifetimes, let alone scuba dive. Um, so it's one of the most rewarding technologies because you really do get to share this immersive experience with anybody. And it goes beyond the kids. I mean, adults get just as psyched about virtual reality as the students do. For people listening to this, what role does coral play in our, in, in our lives? Yeah, so corals, as is anything with the ocean, are really out of sight and out of mind. Um, people don't realize what goes on underwater and they don't even necessarily realize how much of this planet is blue um so everything is connected on our planet everything plays a role with each other and and it really truly is kind of this interconnective unbelievable consortium of of species all working together and all working in harmony um So as happens with anything, um, when you remove a portion of something that works well, like a well-oiled machine, uh, when you remove a portion of that, it's not going to function correctly. There are going to be hiccups. Um, And corals provide food for 500 million people at the very least. They provide the economy, the protein. 
Um, and if we take that away, we're going to see some extremely serious consequences, both economically, uh, with human migration and refugees around the world because of climate change and because of the loss of coral reefs, but also ecologically. Um, like you said before, 25% of marine life makes their home on a right. coral reef at some point in their life cycles. Um, so if you remove that kind of nursery of the sea, you see a chain reaction all the way up the food chain um, into the pelagic species that we find out in the open ocean, into sharks and whales. Um, right. Everything has a role to play in the ocean, and that also connects back to the terrestrial world. And, um, you know, the outlook for corals is quite scary, certainly, uh, but if we can utilize them as a lens to protect the next ecosystem or to at least hold reefs accountable for their functionality as an ecosystem, um, then those are big wins. Because we know that we're going to see a lot of changes to our planet in the next 30 years to 50 years. Um, so it's really about just doing what we can to mitigate the impact um, in all of those different ways. Well. Zach, what project do you have uh, coming up uh, next, and, and how will your uh, relationship with, with Coral continue? Yeah, so I'll always have a relationship with Coral, um, certainly. But um, my big thing right now is um, youth engagement. So we've talked a little bit about it, but um, Exposure Labs makes movies with the um, – you know with the desire to have a bigger impact with it and to lead change um, within communities around the world. So we've hired a team of amazing people for our impact campaign, and we're planning on taking this wide and taking it deep. So the first thing we want to do is to support you, no matter where you are in the world, to host a community screening and to allow it to start a conversation. Um, and then we also want to take this film deep into communities in America, in Australia, around the world um, that can really benefit from these messages and, again, are unlikely candidates to work with and engage with this type of content. Um, so we're really in that piloting phase and just getting started. But for me, um, my work and my project is going to be with the youth. It's getting into classrooms. It's getting into universities and high schools and just starting the conversation with them. Um, you know, I love the notion of make science cool again. And I want to just show kids how great of an experience the scientific field can be, uh, both from an adventure standpoint and both from this own kind of personal growth standpoint, and, and just get them psyched about what the potential of being a naturalist and being a scientist holds. Um, and it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with just science. Um, you know, everyone has their own passions, um, and I want to share my passion for coral reefs with these students and hopefully just open the door for them to say, hey, whatever you're passionate about, that's important for you right. to follow because good passion leads to good work and good work is what's going to change this world. Well, just, Zach, as we close out here, were there, were there any other surprises under the water, good or bad, or the good or bad that um, other than the deterioration of coral? Um, yeah, it's a hard question to answer. There are always surprises, um, and there are always, you know, little positive surprises. Like, I've been diving on, you know, some of these restoration projects around the world, and while I don't think that restoration is our biggest solution, it is always a positive spin to see how many people um, within local communities around the world are fighting this battle um, and are doing something to protect 
coral reefs and are, you know, spinning this in a way that is extremely positive and gives me a lot of hope. Um, but that also being said is there's still a lot of really nasty things going under going on underwater right. and it doesn't stop at bleaching. Bleaching is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, so it, it's very easy to get overwhelmed with pessimism when you look at the ocean because there are so many issues that it is facing right now. Um, but we also live in a very exciting time politically and we have a lot of activism going on at the grassroots level at a you know, really at a scale that I don't think this country has seen in, in decades. Um, and that's what's keeping me going right now is we are really at the, you know, at this tipping point for activism and, um, and outreach and, you know, doing good things in this country. And, and that is really something remarkable. And I think we're going to look back on kind of this era we're in in 10 years and say, hey, this was the pivotal point when we really began to turn things around and when people finally stood up and said, hey, uh, we're not going to do this anymore and we're really going to start making some changes. Well, and finally, Zach, you know, well, just describe for us the experience of seeing yourself uh, in this film. How, what does that feel like? <laughs> yes, it's super weird. Still, I've come. I'm actually okay with watching myself on screen. It's my voice that I actually dislike more. So I don't <laughs> like listening to myself that much, um, which I think most people don't like listening to themselves. Um, That's true. But again, this is not what I signed up for. I was literally hired to put these cameras in the water. Never supposed to be on camera. Um, and, you know, things changed, and, and they've enjoyed my story. And at the end of the day, whether or not I like seeing myself or seeing my voice, if my story can have an impact on people and if it can engage people in a powerful way, um, I'm more than happy to share it. And I wouldn't have traded any of this for the world because it, um, the issue is deep to my heart. And um, if people enjoy it and if people can, you know, feel a positive change um, from my own story... Um, I'd be silly not to, to allow that to happen. Zach, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to talk with us, and, and I hope everybody sees the film, Chasing Coral. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And again, um, you know, if you do see it or want to share it with the community, um, hit us up on chasingcoral.com and register your screening, and we will provide all the resources you need to make it a rad experience and to you know really make a change. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah, really Zach appreciate Rago. it. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com. Hey, everybody. Podcast One has a new app where you can find out everything about your favorite shows, including articles, social media, and behind-the-scenes photos. There is no other podcast app like this. Download the all-new Podcast One app now in the App Store or on Google Play. HBO's Game of Thrones is back for its seventh season. Winter is finally here, and so are the White Walkers. Will the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros survive the threat from the North? Or will they fall in the looming war for the Iron Throne? After you're done watching an episode, join the discussion here on the Game of Thrones After Show on Podcast One. Every week, our hosts discuss each episode in detail, from shocking twists to fan theories, as the series chronicles the violent struggle among the realm's noble families for ultimate power. Join the fray every week on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. 
we do it right too with incredible deals to help you save during our spring black friday sale like bonnie vegetable and herb plants four for ten dollars and for a clean looking landscape pick up five bags of scott's mulch for just ten dollars whatever's on your spring to-do list hurry in and save during our spring black friday sale do it right for less start with lowe's offers valid through 417 not valid on alaska or hawaii bonnie offer valid on 19 ounce pots see store for details u.s only at the border I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.